perfection is probably something you'll never quite obtain because it's like the more you know, the more you don't know anything. And the more that you learn, the more that you realize that there's so much more to learn. The comfort zone expands. In other words, it never contracts, it expands. Going from someone who is at 25, failing, you're wondering whether you can even make it, you have all of the self-doubt, to all of a sudden doing 2.5 billion in revenue and leading teams and showing people how they can really level up themselves. What was the thing to take you from this uncertain, lack of conviction person to being a leader? Rule 33 says this, spend 33% of your time with people above you. Spend 33% of your time with people that are basically your, at your level and 33% of your time with people in essence below you. I tell people you're not who you are, you are who you're born to be. How important is it for you to have a partner who can help you turn that pain into the energy? Welcome back to the podcast. Today I have a very, very special guest. We are joined by Justin Prince, who is a global entrepreneur, has built five multi-million dollar businesses. They've generated more than $2 billion in revenue, okay? That's B, okay? Billion with a B. Um, keynote speaker and shared stages amongst icons like John C. Maxwell, Jamie Kern Lima, and Ed Milet, and most importantly, is a heart-centered husband and proud father of four. Justin, welcome to the podcast. Well, brother, thank you for having me on. Fired up about it and uh, excited to uh, spend the time with you. Yeah, excited to get into things. Well, I guess, well, let's start off with people who may not know too much about you. Dive a little bit into how you got into entrepreneurship, how you got to this point to begin with. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I have four kids today. You know, my wife and I live in Southern Utah. We have a 19 and 11 year old boys and a 16 and 14 year old girls. So I'm a daddy first, you know, I'm a husband first. I'm kind of an entrepreneur second. And so I came from a divorced family at age 12. I was my mom's oldest at home. We moved 13 times in the seven years through the teenage years. I had really no professional background. I was making pizzas. I was doing construction work. I worked in a mall kiosk selling you know, animated Bible videos at a mall kiosk, animated Bible DVDs, uh, no college education. You know, I had, had a 2.1 GPA in high school. <laughs> you know, it's just like, was it, it wasn't voted probably the, mo the, the most likely to succeed. But what I did have is I had big dreams. I had big goals. I really wanted to do something with my life. I felt like my life had value, you know, and purpose. And I wanted to do something with my life. And I was introduced to my first business when I was 25. So I had one little baby boy at this time. I'm living in the loft of my wife's parents' garage. Or at this point, I'm, I'm, I have this one little baby boy and I, I go for this business. I just kind of go for it. The long story short, the business fails. And at this mm. point, uh, it put me below zero financially, back on credit cards, back on taxes. And at that point, we moved into the loft of my wife's parents' garage with now two kids and a pregnant wife. And wow. so I'm, you know, I'm a grown man. I live in the United States of America. I, my kids sleep in the closet. My wife and I sleep in this little loft. I have two part-time jobs, one that I did during the weekday, one I did on the weekend, and yet I'm starting another business to be free as an entrepreneur. And dude, it's just that grind of like, man, is it even possible for me? You know, is this ever going to work for me? I remember laying in bed at night with my wife and it's one in the morning, it's pitch black. And I say to her, I go, are you awake? <laughs> and she goes, yeah. She goes, are you awake? I said, yeah. I go, am I crazy? Like, am I chasing a fake dream? Like, is this ever going to actually happen for us? And you know, my guess is, Mo, there's, there's 
some of your audience listening today that they're asking similar questions. Like basically, is it ever really going to happen for me? They know it's happens for you or other, you know, successful people that they know, but is it really ever going to happen for them? And, you know, since that time, I just kind of kept going, kept going, ultimately sold that business when I was 30. My current business, I started 11 years ago, started working on 11 years ago. We, we took over an existing company that was uh, eight years in a row of double digit per year decline in revenue. So in other words, it was like a turnaround situation that we tur- did a turnaround and a startup at the same time. We created a, a really incredible company, uh, at least concept at the time, and a, a, a super simple sharing model. And with that model, you know, we've done over 2.5 billion in revenue uh, since. We've acquired millions and millions of customers. We've paid out over a billion in commissions to folks that are, you know, promoting our, our products and our brand. And so it's really turned into a, a, a really incredible business. And you know, I now get to share with your audience, right? I now get to be one of those people that gets to add my name, my testimonial, my personal experience to the list of people that tell them that, that it's possible that their dreams and goals are possible. And, you know, one of the reasons I wrote the book, so I wrote the book, you know, Be the One. And to me, there's two, there's two concepts to it. The first one is this, you're the one. It's not called become the one, you are the one. Mm-hmm. So we'll think of it this way. If you take a, like your parents and then your grandparents, and you can think of your, of your you know, your relationship with your mom, relationship with your dad, your gra- those of us who knew our grandparents, those of us maybe even knew our great grandparents. If you think about it, if you take back the last 12 generations, it's about 400 years and it was 4,094 people from all over the world that came together to create you. You mm-hmm. are the one. So you're the one that they live for, bled for, you know, the triumphs, the tragedies, the struggles, the joys, all of this work and the sacrifice for people from all over the world created you. You are the one. And then the second lesson is not become it, it's to be it. In other words, it's a present state. So for me, I wanted to compile a tactical, practical roadmap for people where they actually knew what to do today to be the one today that steps into this person they were born to be. Because I tell people, you are not who you are, you are who you were born to be. And so that's the book. I was on a podcast a couple days ago and the woman says to me, she goes, Justin, she goes, I've read hundreds of motivational books, you know, personal development type books. She goes, I've never read a book like this. <laughs> she goes, this isn't just like motivational. She goes, it's like a practical, you know, like practical, tactical steps to actually help you to be the one today. And that's why I'm passionate about it and excited about, you know, it's the impact it's going to have on people's lives. I love that. So you mentioned that at 25, you got started in this business, sold it at 30. What niche was that business? And what was the business that you eventually got to 2.5 billion in revenue? The first business uh, failed. And so the second one was the one that I started at uh, basically 27. And uh, it was in the nutritional space. We were marketing nutritional products. We were basically distributing uh, nutritional products around the world. My, my current business is a company called Modare. So we, we build a social retail company. We have uh, what we call social marketers literally all over the world in like 27 countries that uh, have a, a discount code. We have a free app. They have a $10 discount code, and they, they, they market our products. So I build, I've been building sales teams and creating leadership teams and leadership culture uh, really my whole career, you know, and uh, doing the, you know, the marketing, direct-to-consumer marketing. And so those, those companies have all been kind of, in the, kind of in the health and wellness beauty space, you know, through my career. It's a subject that I have like inherent passion on and, uh, you know, a lot of energy behind is, is building people, you know, building leadership in, in people and building culture and community through sales teams. So I'm, so I'm curious, going from someone who is 
at 25 failing you're wondering whether you can even make it you have all of the self-doubt to all of a sudden doing 2.5 billion in revenue and leading teams and showing people how they can really level up themselves what was the thing or multiple things that you did to take you from this uncertain lack of conviction person to being a leader yeah it's such a great question you know let me start by saying this you know sometimes we we feel like it was all of a sudden you know even as i look back sometimes you're like oh how did this happen you know and the truth is it was seven you know last almost 18 years of grind <laughs> you know what i'm saying of working your freaking butt off so the 18 years didn't feel like all of a sudden it felt like you really paid the price but let me let me share this right. with you there's a there's a success loop that i teach in the book it's a framework and it's a three c success loop so there's three c's first c is confidence you know the foundation of your success is believing in yourself uh, about six years or so ago my son brings up a a uh, a, a plastic bin from our cold storage and we my wife is having him clean it out and i open it up and it was just surreal because it had all my old personal development books a bunch of my old personal development journals it had a bunch of my old cds that i used to listen to in my car you know that kind of stuff and one of them was from an event that i attended when i was living in the loft of my wife's parents garage two babies sleeping in the closet it was about from 11 years prior approximately and as I'm going through this, the, the, the notebook was branded the name of the event. So sometimes, as you know, when you go to an event, it's called, the event's called, you know, Ignite or, or uh, Momentum or whatever the event is. So it was branded for that event. So as I'm going through this, I'm looking at these notes that I wrote, and I could honestly remember not only the speaker and like some of the stuff I was writing, but I remembered the emotion of sitting in the back of the room and there's 6,000 people there, and I have like two people on my team, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, like, what am I, I could not afford to be there. I was staying at the hotel seven miles down the street, not the one where the event was at. I was staying at the one that you don't dare take off your socks at night because it's just so gross, you know? And I was, just, I was just grinding, you know, trying to wonder if it was possible. And the very last page, I turned to the last page, it was, it was no kidding surreal. Turned to the last page, and I'm looking down like this, and at the bottom, in all caps, I wrote four words. And the words were, I believe in myself. And I just thought to myself, huh, I believed in myself. At least I was saying that out loud, in this case in all caps, when I didn't really have any reason to believe in me. My business had just failed. I'm living in the loft of my wife's parents' garage. I have two part-time jobs. I can't afford to be there. But the foundation of your success is you believing in you. You know, would you bet on you? You know, would you believe in yourself? It's hard to get everyone else to believe in you if you're not even willing to believe in you. Would you, are you willing to say, you know what, I can, I've overcome some challenges. I can get through this stuff. The, the confidence leads to the second C, which is commitment. And where there is no confidence, there is no commitment. Because, Mo, think of it this way. How much commitment would you put in to something that you had zero confidence in? Mm. So, for example, you're starting a business, and you're supposed to be committed as an entrepreneur, but you have zero confidence this is going to pan out. Well, just like the rest of us, you probably wouldn't put that much commitment in because you have zero confidence it's even going to be worth anything. So the confidence creates the commitment. And where there is no confidence, there is no commitment. Now, here's the challenge, though. It's, I teach a principle called straight-line commitment. For most of us, our commitment level is like we get really fired up and like, yo, I'm in. Like we listen to a podcast like this, you know, we're like, dude, Mo, thank you. Boom, you know, I'm in. Like you can feel the burn in your heart to, like, to be the one, to make your dreams happen. And then what happens? One of your customers quits tomorrow and you're like, I'm out. And then you, you know, mm. you like go to an event. You're like, I'm back, guys. I'm in. Like, let's do this thing. And then 
a team member quits. You're like, I'm out. I want to quit with you. And then you're back in, then you're back out. So it's this huge, deep ups and downs. And what straight line commitment means is in math, the fastest way to get from A to B in math is what? Well, it's a straight line, right? So instead of this huge, massive roller coaster emotionally, you basically just shorten the ups and the downs and you just simply say, I'm going to be commit. I'm going to get committed, stay committed, go all in because there's no lukewarm winners. You know, no one acts, success does not attack you. Like no one accidentally lands on top of the mountain. You just say, I'm going right there. Fastest way to get there's a straight line. Like, let's go knowing that there's going to be the ups and downs. Well, the commitment leads to competence. That's the third C. So competence is your skill sets. You know, your talents, your floor, your skills are your ceiling. And you want to build uh, uh, skills above the talent. And you want to invest in that skill set. So here's the thing. The more highly skilled you become, you know, the better you get at your profession, the better you get at your your career, and really the, the better you get at life. What happens is that feeds your confidence because you're good at it. You're actually good at it. Well, when you're good at it, you have more confidence. Your confidence creates more commitment. Your commitment creates more competency, which drives more confidence, more commitment. So you start to spin mm. the loop, three C's. All right, so let me ask you this question. What do you do today? If you're listening to this podcast and you say to yourself, that makes a lot of sense to me. However, I don't know if I have a lot of confidence in myself. Like if I'm being 100% honest, I don't know if I have that baseline confidence. What do we do today? And the answer is a fourth C, which is courage. Courage precedes confidence. You lean into your courage today until you have the confidence yourself. The courage is being willing to put yourself out there even though you don't feel like you're very good at it. Courage is making the call even though you don't feel like you're good at calls. Courage is doing the presentation when you feel like you're terrible at the presentation. Courage is doing the video when you think you look awkward on video. Courage is launching the podcast when you don't feel like you have enough to say. Courage is writing the book when you feel like an imposter. Courage is starting the business when you don't have all the answers yet. That's courage. Uh, I reference in, the, in my book uh, uh, a concept called Chase the Lion. Mark Batterson's a Christian pastor, and he wrote a book called Chase the Lion. It's a story about a guy named Benihah. He's this, kind of this Old Testament Bible character. It's kind of hidden. So Benihah, what it says about him is that he chased a lion into a pit on a snowy day. All right, here's the question. How many people do you know that chase lions into pits on snowy days? <laughs> You're like, not very many. So what does that make this guy? It makes this guy rare. And anything that's rare is more valuable. You know, a diamond that's rare is more valuable. A basketball card that's rare is more valuable. A friendship that's rare is more valuable. Someone that has courage is rare. And anything that's rare is more valuable. The, the lion in the story is your dreams. The lion is your, this, this, part of your heart that says, I'm the one, like, I know I, 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 I got something in my, I got something to give. Like I, I want my life to matter. That's the lion. That's the dream. That's the goals, right? Most people, when they hear the roar of the lion, they feel that roar. They either ignore the roar or they run from the roar versus running to the roar. The person that has courage chases the lion. They run into pits on, you know, chase lions into pits on snowy days. That's the person that has the courage. So today, if you don't yet have the confidence, have the courage. Take action today. The courage will precede the confidence. The confidence will build the commitment. The commitment builds the skill sets and the competency. And then you start to spin the 3C success loop. I love that. So it seems like courage is at the root of everything. Is this based off of 
just being willing to be imperfect. Because I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs who they're always ch chasing this idea of perfectionism. Like they want to be perfect before they take the action. Is the difference between someone who's successful, someone who's willing to be imperfect and say, you know what, I don't have all the answers, I'm just going to do it, versus the ones who are trying to be perfect? That's a, that's a, that's a super interesting question. So listen, uh, I teach a lot about excellence. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I want our people to be excellent. Like in my teams, I want, I want us to be excellent, like the best in class. I want us to be undeniably good at what we do. It's just undeniable. You can't even argue it. It's just you're so good at what you do. You know, Aristotle says, excellence is not an act, it's a habit. He says, therefore, you are what you repeatedly do. So I teach a lot about the creating the right habits. You cast out a vision of here's who I am, I'm the one, and then how do I be that person? In other words, create default habits, the right pro proper habits. With that said, though, let me say this. Perfection is probably something you'll never quite obtain, right? Like, in other words, because it's like, it's like the more you know, the more you don't know anything. And the more that you learn, the more that you realize that there's so much more to learn. And so you are constantly getting outside of that original comfort zone. The person that coined the word comfort zone, literally wrote the book on comfort zone. They say when you get outside of the comfort zone, you're what? Well, you're uncomfortable. Okay, we all get that part. Here's the deal, though, is the comfort, the comfort zone expands. In other words, it never contracts. It expands. Well, you're constantly getting outside of it. And fear... Uh, fear and a failure. Like, failure for most people is one of the things that kind of holds them back. And by the way, it's not just fear of failure. It's also fear of looking small. You know, like, mm -hmm. I don't want to start the podcast and only have three listeners, or I don't want to go, you know, do a business when I'm already successful in what I'm doing, or I don't want to, you know, I don't want to put myself out there and look small. So here's what I'd share with you. F failure is this thing we've been taught to avoid. In other words, failure equals pain. So if you, if you m don't make the team, you failed, that equals pain. If you make the team and you miss the shot, you failed, that equals pain. If you have a job and you get fired from the job, it means you fail, you can't pay the rent, and that equals pain. Okay, so failure equals pain. Well, then when you start chasing lions in your life, you start having courage, you start going for goals and dreams, inevitably you're going to fail at least as you're learning. You know, there's either winning or learning as an entrepreneur. It's not winning or losing, it's winning or learning. And you start going for it. So here's the thing. Failure is not a person. Failure is an event. And your failure is not final. Your failure is fertilizer. And your success will grow in the fertilizer of failure. And what I would share with you is this, is it hurts to fail. So one of the principles I teach in the book is to convert the hurt from pain to fuel. So instead of it destroying your future, it drives your future. And it guarantees your success versus, again, destroying your success. You know, this, a solar panel, we, you know, you hear a lot about solar, right? A solar panel is it converts. It converts the energy of the sun and it goes, hits the panel and it converts the energy from like solar energy into electrical energy. A wind turbine does the same thing. A water turbine takes the energy of the water and it runs it through and it, that energy is converted into electrical energy. Mm. The same thing can happen with your pains and with your failures and with not, show, not being amazing today, not being excellent today, not, not being perfect today is it hurts. And when it hurts, you convert it from pain into fuel and you let it drive your future versus destroy your future. I love that. So let me ask you this. One of the things that you said when you were 25, you had that conversation with your partner at the time saying, I don't even know, like, am I chasing? Am I crazy? Am I chasing something that shouldn't be there? How important is it for you to have a partner who can help you turn that 
pain into the energy. Yes. So the short answer is for me, it's been, it's literally made all the difference. You know, mm. I'm more visible in our family, meaning on the stages, on social, etc. My wife is the real star of the show. This woman is a powerful, powerful woman. She's wise. She's smart. She's uh, super strong. And she's got a steel backbone. You know, she's, she's got very strong values and principles and morals. And, and a very strong constitution, you know, of who she is. And so her belief in me gave me belief when I didn't even have the belief in me. I'll share it with you a, a quick story. So uh, August 27th, 1963, uh, I believe, either 63 or 67, um, I'm, I'm doing the in my mind. It was when Martin Luther King, it's the day before Martin Luther King gave his famous I Have a Dream speech on Lincoln Memorial. So he's sitting with his advisors the day before, and they're basically crafting the speech. They're crafting the speech of what does he put in the speech? Does he put a bunch of policies? Does he talk about the bad check that's been written? You know how the country hasn't lived up yet to the, the, its founding principles? Does he, what does he do? And he says to the advisors, he says, should I tell him about the dream? Because he'd been telling this dream in, his, uh, in street corners, in small churches, in city centers. Like whenever anyone would listen to him, he would tell him about this dream or vision he had for the country. Well, his advisors said to him, they said, Martin, your dream is trite, it's cliche, and it's overused. Mm. And a lot of us, when we tell friends or, you know, well-intentioned family and friends and you know, people we work close with about our dreams, about our goals and so on, a lot of times we get similar feedback, which is like, yo, Mo, Mo, like kind of trite, cliche, kind of overused. Like, I, I, don't, really, I don't know if you should go chase this thing. So he... he writes the speech in the entire I have a dream section of the I have a dream speech is not in the speech. None, like in fact, they still, have the, they still have the speech today and it's not in there. So he's 11 minutes in, he's at Lincoln Memorial, there's 250,000 people sitting there at, uh, watching this epic moment in history. And he's doing a great job Mo, compared to like what you and I could do on a stage, but he's not doing what Martin could do on a stage. Mm. He was more powerful than where he was at 11 minutes in. This was like a good speech, again, compared to us. It's a great speech compared to us. It's a good speech for him, but it's not a change the world speech. So behind him is a woman named Mahalia Jackson. Mahalia is a former gospel singer. She's part of a, kind of his inner circle. She's standing on the stage behind him. And she yells out, she says, tell him about the dream, Martin. Tell him about the dream. And he leaves the notes, he leaves the speech and starts talking about the dream. He says, and I have a dream today. And his dream, as you know, was that little black boys and little black girls could walk down the street and hold hands with little white boys and little white girls, and they could walk as brothers and as sisters. And he had a dream wow. that people that wouldn't be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. And he starts this cadence and this rhythm of, of, of the dream that he had in his soul. If it wasn't for Mahalia, someone, you know, a partner of his, a friend of his, a, a, a confidant of his, breathing some life into the dream. We never would have had what we all now call the I have a dream speech. We never would have had the speech. Yeah. And so it's, it's critical to us surround yourself. I talk about amplify your associations in the book, but I, I teach it in a different way than I think anyone's ever heard it before. You know, I think a lot of us have heard this idea that like you'll be a sum total of the five people you, you know, spend the most time with. Okay. I, th yep. I think that's the concept that's probably accurate. Here's what it, the challenge is, though, with that. There's a practical application challenge for me. And the challenge is, 
do you really get to hang out with five amazing people all the time? Like, you know how life is, dude. We're going 100 miles an hour. You got, you got families. You got churches. You got sports. You got fitness. You got your businesses. I mean, we're, 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 we're grinding. We're going 100 miles an hour. So what I teach is to very intentionally spend your, your time applying the rule of 33. Rule of 33 says this. Spend 33% of your time with people above you. Spend 33% of your time with people that are basically your, at your level and 33% of your time with people in essence below you. So what does that mean? 33% of your time is with people that are further along the journey than you are. They're further up the mountain. You have new vantage point for you. They make you think bigger, be bitter, bigger, uh, you know, expand your, your, your capacity of what's possible for you. So that's 33% of your time. Maybe they make more than you. Maybe they're in better shape than you. Maybe they have a better relationship than you have. Maybe they, they have more of a spiritual connection than you do. So these are people that are, they're further up the line than you. You can learn from them, mentor under them. Aristotle said, if I've seen further, it's only by standing on the shoulders of giants. They're that person for you. The other 33% Mo would be people that are your size, right? They're chasing the dream like you're chasing the dream. They, you know, you have a kid, they have a kid. They're making a 200 grand a year. You're making 210 grand a year. Like you're, you know, you're kind of at this, you know, similar place of life and you're both you can network together and mastermind together and cry together and and encourage each other and and you could share this insight like oh it's so good by the way if i can help you with this insight, go like, oh, dude i needed that so much thank you so mm -hmm. you, you you're at a level where you can really mastermind i was i was uh facebook serves up memories and five years ago i used to mastermind with uh, some buddies of mine, uh, Jimmy Rex, Sean Whalen, Woody Woodward, and Rob Sperry. We'd meet once a month. We were all about the same size. And you look what's happened to all five of us since in the last five years. I mean, each individually in their own way has completely ex you know, exploded, let's call it, in our different careers, different avenues. The point, though, is this. We were all kind of the same size. And we all met, like, networked and masterminded again. That's the 33 that are your size. And then 33% of your time with people who are basically – below you where you can teach when you teach you internalize when you internalize you own the principles become yours a lot of times when you're teaching you're the one that's really learning a lot of times when you're teaching you're the one that's saying you know what i need to apply these principles in my life better you know i need to be better you know not just talk about it i need to be about it so in my community just to give you an example uh, i've started a thing called the decades in today's teenage mastermind so we're pulling kids from our local community that are, that are let's call it 14 up to basically 18 and we're getting them together once a month and I'm bringing in, I'm teaching myself, but then also bringing in speakers and teachers and people that are just awesome. You know, people that are playing the game at a high level to come teach these kids to pour what took us decades to learn into days for these kids. Well, that's a powerful way to spend 33% of my time is to pour into the next generation of leadership in the, you know, in the country and in the world. And you learn, as you know, so much more when you're teaching than just when you're learning. And so that's the way I, I think of and apply the rule of 33. Get around people that can help you to go to the next level. I love that. And I find myself doing this without even, like I love this rule because the reason why I started this podcast was more so to get good messages out, but also by doing this, I spend 33% of my time no with question. people who are above me. Yeah, so no that's, that's awesome. So I, I wanna ask you this. You mentioned that your wife is the star of the show. How do you find a good partner? What are some things to look for? So check this out. I'm, I did this, uh, this decades into days mastermind with these, this teenage mastermind. And I was talking to him about relationships, specifically about how do you find the right person, right? 
And my advice to those kids is the same answer I'm going to use to answer your question, which is the best way to find the right person is to be the right person. This concept of being the one, right? You want to be magnetic. And so what happens for most of us is we build a checklist. You know how it is. We're kind of like, I want this. I kind of want this height, this hair color, this, you know, financial thing. I want this kind of personality. I want her to be, I want her to love these things. Cool. I'm cool. But you know what we should really be, the checklist we really should be building is us. Man, I want to be this type of a person, this type of integrity, these types of values, this type of authenticity and, and transparency, this type of, of work ethic, like this type of spiritual connection. You start working on you because you know how it is. You can't control anyone else, but what you can control, who you can control is yourself. You can mm. truly be the one you were born to be. You can step into this next version of yourself by you being the one right well as you become the one you start attracting it's magnetic it's attractive so a magnet as you know does two things it both attracts and it does what it repels it attracts like and it repels ones that, that maybe don't meet your your values or principles maybe it wouldn't be a good fit that's okay too that's the good the, the more defined you can be on on truly being your best self the more value that you can add you know to to the to the person that you're looking for and hopefully, as you're being that person, they're being that person as well. So they're attracted to who you are. And so you don't, you know, you don't marry a project. We don't, I tell these kids, don't go marry a project. Project means, like, he's normally not like this, but I'm, you know, like, you're, like, trying to rescue everybody. No, dude, you want to marry someone that pulls you up and that you pull up. You know, they make you, they pull out the best version of you. You pull out the best version of them. You don't have to be the one that's trying to rescue everybody all the time. Not when it comes to these, you know, very important long-term intimate relationships. I love that. I want to go back to this. You mentioned fear of failure. A lot of people have a fear of failure. But I also believe a lot of people have fear of success, that they don't think they will be able to handle the level of success that full courage, full confidence, full commitment, full competence will actually bring. So for someone who is dealing with that fear of success, not believing that they can actually handle that, what would you tell them? First of all, it's such a good question. It's such a, such a good question. By the way, the way you pose is perfect is a perfect question. A lot of us have one foot on the gas and another foot on the brake at the same time. We're like, I want this to happen, but like, you know, we have these like these self-limiting <laughs> beliefs. And I'll share with you two quick frameworks. The first one I teach is to update your identity. Updating your identity is this idea. You can't, your iPhone doesn't work very well if you don't update the software. A lot of us are running on old software. You know, so we have software from what we were told when we were nine. We have software from what we were told when we were 21. We have software from what we were told when we were 23. We haven't updated the, the identity recently. Part of this updated the identity is, you remember back when they first did switchboards when they did phones? I'm talking, this is back in the day, like in the 50s or whatever. You would call into a switchboard and the person would be like, hello? And you're like, yeah, can I talk to my sister in Chicago? And they're like, one sec. And they would unplug this thing and they'd plug it in over here and there's wires everywhere all over the place. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden they'd plug that in and all of a sudden your sister would ring and she'd be like, hello? And you're like, oh, can you hear me? And all of a sudden that would happen. A lot of us, our wiring is all screwed up. I'll give you an example with my career. Uh, when I was first introduced to my business in my specific space, I, I had an uncle that was in a similar space to me but yet he and my aunt got divorced. And so when I thought of that space, I had plugged from the, you know, that space, I'd plugged it, the wire into, into divorce. Meaning if mm. you do this, this profession, you'll get divorced, you know? 
And what's so interesting, Mo, is that my dad was in real estate and land development. And I, for some reason, had never plugged that into a divorce, you know, even though he had been married, you know, two different times, you know, to, he's been on his third marriage. The point is, is I had weird wiring. I had weird associations. That happens to a lot of us. Uh, you know, I, I work with a friend of mine. I tell people, you're not who you are. You're who you were born to become or you're who you were born to be. And you're not what you did. You are what you repeatedly do. I have a friend of mine in Southern California named Jaime Molina. Jaime is no kidding. One of the sweetest guys I've ever met. He's a powerful man, but he's a sweet man. His wife Ramona is sweeter than him. They're super devout in their Catholic faith. They are, uh, he runs a financial services business. He has four beautiful daughters. He's a committed husband. He's just a good man. He's a good man. Like kind of guy you'd want your kid, you know, your daughter to marry kind of guy, you know? So he, one of the things Jaime does to give back in his community, he works with the troubled youth in his community. And he tells a story about a man whose identity was his, his, uh, it was known as E9400. And Jaime tells this story of E9400. And, and what happened was he was born in a Texas, Texas El Paso, so right on the border of, of uh, Mexico. At age eight, E9400 was introduced to alcohol, started drinking consistently. At age nine, he was sexually molested by someone 24 years older than him, became sexually active. Wow. At age 14, he was introduced to hard drugs, started using hard drugs. At 15, he became a mule for the cartel. At 24, he was convicted of 11 federal felonies and served multiple years in San Quentin prison. Wow. You know how life is, brother. None of us want to go to prison, but if we're going to go, you don't want to go to San Quentin. I mean, this is like one of the worst prisons in America. So Jaime says to these kids, and imagine, Mo, imagine we're asking this to your audience. We said, what are the odds of how this guy's doing now? <laughs> You're like, is he, is he like, uh, you know, what are the odds he's in prison? What are the odds he's dead? What are the odds he's strung out on drugs? What are the odds he's alcoholic? What are the odds he's living his best life? What are the odds he's homeless? If we were to do a, a, a poll, we'd probably be like, man, if someone starts drinking at age eight, not good. If someone's sexually yeah. molested, becomes sexually active at nine, I don't love the odds here. If someone's into hard drugs at 14, this is not great. If someone's a cartel mule at 15 and, and you know, it serves multiple years in San Quentin, this is not a great, I don't like the odds. So one day Jaime says to the kids, he says, uh, I brought a special guest today. He goes, you guys remember me teaching about E9400? They're like, yeah. They're like, no way. I can't believe this guy's here. So he goes, he's out in the hallway, walks out in the hallway, shuts the door. He ends up walking in, closes the door. And the kids are kind of like, you know, where's the guy? Jaime walks up to the front and he says, I am E9400. E9400 was Jaime's prison identification in San Quentin. I tell people, you're not who you are. You are who you're born to be. Jaime wasn't born to be E9400, not that identity. He had to update it. Jaime was born to be Jaime Molina, which is a proud you know, husband, a devoted husband, a proud father, a, a, a strong member of his faith in his community, a strong you know, business owner in his financial service. That's who Jaime is. He's, he's who he was born to be. So one of the things that we have to do is we have to c consistently update our identity to be that next version of ourselves. The second thing I'd share is this. It's kind of an unrelated concept, but, it, but you know, this idea of how do we overcome fear of failure and like, or in this case, fear of success. Like what if I become successful? Part of that's an update of identity. Get your wiring right. You know, sometimes we have these weird wiring. I'm like, why do I actually believe that? I tell people what you believe matters. Second thing is this though. I teach a principle in the book um, called your five by five formula. So this is, we're kind of shifting gears from identity into an actual practical formula. Five by five is this. You find your five top priorities, and then you're gonna find what I call your five highest impact actions. So let me start with priorities. 
one of the things that puts our, our, one of our foot on the gas and one on the brake is like for me, my number one priority was my marriage, right? So imagine the wiring I had. Number one priority is the marriage. I also have this priority to be successful and to go make something of my life from a financial perspective. So that's the foot on the gas, right? But then I thought the wiring of that profession would get you divorced. Well, then imagine I had this foot on the brake, right? Because you're just like, that whole thing. Okay. Well, I had to change that wiring, update my identity, kind of be like, why do I even think that? It's so stupid. Like, I don't think that about other things. Like, I'm just, your wiring gets a little off. Cool. Once I work through that, then you find your top five priorities, and then you want to find what's called your highest impact action. So imagine this. So, Mo, we've all heard the 80-20 principle. So 80-20 is Prado's principle, the Italian economist. that basically says 20% of what you do produces 80% of the results uh, of the impact in your business, and then 80% of what you do only produces 20. We've all heard that. So here's, check this out. Once I learned how to leverage that principle, my life exploded, <laughs> you know, from an income perspective and from a business perspective and an impact perspective. So check this out. If 20% of what you do produces 80, I thought to myself, if 20 does 80, then 10% of what I do does what? Well, it would do 90. Mm. And 5% of what I do would do how much? It would do 95. So then I started asking, what's the 5%? What's my highest impact actions I can have in my business that would be the five? What are the five things mm. I could do? Five 5% five of things I can do that only I can do? What are the 5% of things I can do that make it rain in my business? What are the five things I can do that make it rain in my marriage, that make it rain with my children? Like, what are the things that only I can do that really, really, you know, add the most value? And then what I did and this is what I teach in the book, is then you find, you build teams and systems to do the other 95. Mm -hmm. So if, if my whole thing is I want to have a great marriage, I've been married uh, this January, I'll be 21 years. I want to have a great marriage. I want to have great kids. You know, I want to be strong in my faith, all this kind of stuff. But then also I want to go freaking do billions and billions and billions of dollars in sales and go crush the world, right? Okay, you know, go conquer you know, the world. Okay, how do you do both? You do both by creating teams and systems and leveraging teams and systems to teach all this stuff in the book, how to find your dollar per hour rate, how to find your dollar per minute rate, how to, how to build the right teams around yourself to where you can do what only you can do. You can do with the stuff that has the highest impact in your business and you have clear priorities with clear, you know, action steps to be able to help you do it. That is the secret. Like that is the way you do both. So you can put both feet on the gas instead of one foot on the gas, one foot on the brake, and you can truly get highly focused and go make your dreams happen, go make your goals happen, and go you know, live, you know, create, design, and live an unforgettable life. I love that. So what's the actions, what's the 5% for you? I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example in marriage, right? So in marriage for me, uh, there's, there's basically five things I feel like you could do in marriage. I'll give you two quick examples. Uh, if you do these five consistently, let's say you do them each week and or each day, you're going to probably do pretty well. So let me give you an example. A weekly date night, like I know she's busy. I know I'm busy. Kids got a lot of stuff going on. Like in other words, they're busy. But man, we've got to schedule time each week to just go on a date night. Number mm -hmm. two would be emotional and, and uh, emotional and physical connection. So emotional and physical connection is you could be physical connections, holding hands, giving each other a hug, being physically intimate, emotional connections. You can be on the same couch and be emotionally disconnected and you can be 2000 miles away around the country, around the world and be emotionally connected. So emotional and physical connection, 
Number three would be like uh, giving sincere compliments. Hey, baby, I love you. Hey, you're beautiful. <laughs> you know, just finding sincere compliments. Uh, four would be like finding ways to serve. So you say to your wife, or in my case, my wife, what can I do to lighten your load? You know, maybe I, I, I pick up the dishes tonight. You know, like you, you're looking for ways to make her life easier. So you have emotional, physical connection. You have a weekly date night. You have uh, uh, acts of service. You have a, 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 you, you're giving your sincere compliments. And I'm thinking of the fifth one here. I'll think of it here in a second. So those, if I do those things with consistency, I'm going to do pretty darn well. Across mm. the board, I'm going to do pretty darn well. I'll give you another quick example. Uh, John Maxwell wrote the forward for my book. So John Maxwell is the world's foremost authority on leadership. Uh, he's written, you know, approaching now 100 books, uh, 35 million copies. He's, he's a legend when it comes to the leadership space. And someone asked him once, I said, hey, John, let me ask you a question. They said, how did you write 100 books? You know, and he said, the first thing he said is it's really easy. He said, you just have to live a long time. They're like, no, for real. So how'd you do it? He goes, you know, it's easy. He goes, I do five things every single day. So I've been there at his home and sat in his den where he does these five things. He goes, I do five things every day. He said, I read, think, file, ask questions, write. Read, think, file, ask questions, write. And we all know what reading is. We all know what thinking is. Filing means he finds quotes, stats, illustrations, stories that he files away to use later. So he reads, thinks, files, asks questions, and writes. First question I'd ask you is this. Is he the only person in the world that can read, think, file, ask questions, write? No, we could all do those things. So it's not that they're so hard to do, but he does them every day. And you say, how often is every day? Mm. My friends, every day is every day. You know, the, the, he, on Christmas, John reads things, files, asks questions, right. On his birthday, he reads things, files, asks questions, right. When he's traveling, he reads things, files, wow. asks questions, right. He says that the consistency over almost 50 years has compounded to where he's written, he's, he literally has written more content on leadership than any human that's ever lived in the history of the world. Because yeah. every day does five things. Here's the moral for us. What are the five things that you can do with high consistency to build the highest impact in that key priority of your life? And then you, you eliminate distraction and then you create teams and systems around everything else. Wow. This, this right here just blew my mind because we've all, and I'm sure everybody who's listening to this, we've all been taught the idea. And up until this point, until right now, I've been following the idea of six days a week, seventh day take off. And there is either some people will do four days a week and then three take off, two take off, whatever take off. Um, and this is like a complete different level of consistency. And it comes back to your point of commitment of like just actually being committed to the process. So one thing I want to go back to is this idea of faith, because you've said this word a couple times. And I find that the more entrepreneurs I talk to, the more they talk about faith. They rely on a higher power outside of them. How important is faith to you? I mean, the, the honest truth is, bro, it's been just absolutely pivotal and foundational in my whole life. You know, that's mm. the truth. And I don't try and preach to everybody. You know, I, I, you know, like people can all find their, their own journey. But what I would share with you is this. I'm going to encourage you to be a person of faith. Have faith in God. Think this all just is random? Just all just random? Like, no, I don't think so. Have faith in the economy. Have faith in people. Have faith in yourself. Mm. Have faith that it's all that it's going to work out. So check this out. 
uh, the University of, of Pennsylvania did a study of 350,000 people over a 22-year period, and they said that there was a thinking pattern that began to emerge that they said was predictive of success. And the thinking pattern was optimism. So this was a thinking pattern that began to emerge that became predictive of success. Now, optimism doesn't necessarily correlate, for example, in faith in God, but optimism is faith. Optimism is like, yo, I'm optimistic that things are going to work out in my favor. I have, I have faith in, in, a, in that in just the overall goodness of the world, let's call it. I, I would encourage you to channel that into a true faith in like God, like a, a, a loving heavenly father. But, but listen, you can, you can find this journey yourself. So here's what I'd say is they found two characteristics about these optimistic people, these people that were full of faith. Characteristic number one is that they had unrealistic expectations that they were going to be successful. <laughs> like when you get around, uh, people that have big dreams, big goals, there's times you're like, I don't know if this is realistic for you, but I'll, I'll mm -hmm. share this with you. What my philosophy has been is set, set God sized goals, set goals that you can't accomplish by yourself, set goals. Wow. that At some point you got to give credit to someone else. At some point you got to say, listen, that was not me that did that, dude. Like you give, you give credit where credit's due. You know, that's the first wow. thing. The second thing is, is you want to, they, the second characteristic was they said that they tried new things until they succeeded. And for your listeners, the word until can guarantee your success. The word until can make your success inevitable, guaranteed. You know, uh, Ogmandina wrote the, the great book, The Greatest Salesman in the World, and the 10 scrolls, scroll number three says, I will persist until I succeed. Most people mm -hmm. persist until it gets hard. Most people persist until someone says, says no, like you want to persist until you succeed. And that is really the, that is really the goal is persist until you succeed. And so, so for me, my faith and my faith is specifically in the power of Jesus Christ. Like this is where my faith comes from. And I, you know, I'll say this to you, you know, it's so interesting. Um, I don't normally share this on podcasts. So I'm just going to share this with you. Um, I feel like I've had I can't imagine trying to build a business and to navigate the challenge of life and the challenge of business without uh, basically the power of, of like God's spirit in your heart. And I, again, mm -hmm. I'm not trying to preach to anyone else. You guys can all be on your own journey. I'm just share this with me or just from my experience. Like that, I just feel like it's the reason it all worked out. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. Like you almost got to give credit where credit's due. It's just like, it's like I couldn't have pulled this <laughs> stuff off you know, without that, that, that guidance and without that help and without that foundation. So, you know, you're asking a question about faith and, and the truth is it's been a, it's been truly foundational in my whole life. I love that. So if you don't mind, I want to dig deeper into this because I, I find this fascinating that this is a common denominator between every successful person I talk to is like faith is extremely important to them. And they, they always say, I couldn't do this without it. So yep, what does that yep. look like for you? Like on a, on an actual action based, you know, basis, like, what does that look? Is it going to church? Is it reading the Bible? Is it, um, yeah, great praying? Question. Like what, is, what is the action steps? Yeah. So let's go back to what we talked about earlier. The, this five by five formula. Let's say that, let's say that a, a spiritual connection is one of your priorities. Remember we said top five mm. priorities. By the way, Jim Collins says, if you have more than five priorities, you don't have any priorities. So like, let's narrow it down to your top five. And then this, the next way I look at life is like, what are the top five highest impact actions I could do and when it comes to faith? So I'll give you as an example. Uh, 
I, I go to church on Sundays and you know, it's two hours. And for me, that's two hours that I can give and invest not only into my spiritual relationship, but I can also invest into other people that are at church. Like I can hopefully lift mm. them up and I it provides me a, an ability to serve. Uh, my wife teaches the little 14 year old, my daughter's 14 year old class. Like it's a, it's a way that I can actually give back to other people. And in addition to being spiritually nourished, but again, service to many leads to greatness. Mm. You know, service to many leads to greatness. So it's like if I can go to church and actually not just get, but I can give, I can actually serve other people. Like that's that's how you that's how you find you know true peace. So that's one. Two is through prayer and through you know like a reliance on conversation. In this case, a conversation with like a true like a loving God, a loving heavenly Father. Three would be you know studying scripture right studying scripture um four for me would be serving other people like literally just looking for ways to serve uh i believe mo that we're probably more all interconnected than we probably all realize so in Mm. other words like we have bees in my backyard so this is so check this out a little bit of a detour here but we have bees we have like a freaking beehive my wife has like a beehive we're all interconnected. These bees go up, they can go up five miles, they go in these radiuses, right? They'll come back to the queen, to the, to the hive. If we didn't have bees, the entire earth would stop. Like mm. that, that pollen that they distribute, it, all this stuff is all interconnected. It's like then that grows the trees and that grows the plants and just it's all the whole earth is all interconnected. I think as humans, we're more interconnected than we realize. And we're here to serve each other. We're here to lift each other. We're here to inspire each other. And so I, I try, you know, my best to, to, to hopefully like add value and serve people. Do you know what I'm saying? Like to try and give yeah. back. It's not all about me. In fact, it never really was about me in the first place. Uh, when I speak, I try and walk slowly through the crowd. <laughs> you know, like in other words, your speech isn't about you and your social media and your ego. The speech is about the audience and to mm. go connect with a human, you know. Uh, and then the last thing is I try my best. And this, this maybe you could tie this to service. But I try my best to basically be God's voice. And what I mean by that is this. It's like God doesn't always send down, you know, an angel to do it. Sometimes they, he does it through all just all of us. Like someone says to you, hey, Mo, Mo, I love you, bro. You got this. And it's just one of those days you're like, you turn around. You don't want him to see it because you don't want to feel like a wimp or something. But you're like, oh, I needed that, dude. I've had those, dude. I've had those ones. I mean, they almost breathe life into me. The word inspire means to breathe life into. They inspired my heart. They inspired my dreams. And it's almost like they literally like God breathed life into me, but he did it through someone else's mm-hmm. voice. You know what I'm saying? Someone else breathed that inspiration. So honestly, it's one of the reasons I wrote the book. Uh, uh, I have a, I'll share this with you. I'm driving down the freeway. I'm below zero financially. This is, you know, about 15, 16 years ago. Uh, back on credit cards, back on taxes, living in the loft of my wife's parents' garage. I have tears rolling down my face. I'm about to give up. I'm just like, I can't do this. And, and again, I'm hoping this is inspirational for where some of your people are out listening. I just know the odds are some of you are chasing it right now and you're not sure if it's going to happen. And I remember having this conversation literally out, out loud with myself, but I had it out loud with God. I just said, if I ever become successful, I made two promises. Promise number one, I promised I would never forget what it felt like to struggle. Like when you're behind it, you can feel it in your, the, in your throat. You can feel the, mm. the, the, the financial pressure. You can feel it on your chest, every breath. You can feel this weight on your chest, you know? 
And then the second promise I made is I promised that I, if I ever became successful, I literally promised God, I was like, listen, if I ever become successful, I promise I will do everything I can to help other people to achieve their dreams and their goals. I'll wear myself out trying to help other people. And what I'm grateful for, Mo, today is like the book to me is a fulfillment of the second promise. Our discussion today is a fulfillment of the second promise. It's a, it's a way for me to fulfill that promise, to try and inspire or breathe life into or help people to know the tactical steps that they need to do to be and then to recognize who they really are, which is the one in their life and for their family and for their heritage. I want them to be the one that when that you know, family lineage, they look up in that family lineage, they say, it was him or it was her. She's the one that changed this family forever. And she's the one that broke the addiction in our family. It stopped with her. You know, the abuse, it stopped with my great, great grandpa. It just, it just stopped. He made the decision or it was, you know, it was him that taught us the financial principles. It was my great, great grandma that taught us these financial principles that changed our family forever. We were broke until we had her and they're telling your story. You've created an unforgettable life. I love that. It, it this kind of reminds me of I was watching a video of Steve Harvey and he was talking about, you know, God didn't give your ideas to your mom or other people. And they may tell you, you know, just go get a job, do whatever you need to do. But God gave those thoughts to you for a yeah, reason. Yeah, and that's yeah, where yeah, you can yeah, actually push yeah. people. So, so, so let me say this to your point. Yeah. I believe dreams and goals are planted. Mm. In other words, they're planted in your heart. Why? Why? Your gifts and talents weren't given to you for you. They were given to you for the rest of us. In other words, they were given to you so that you would become, that you would be the person, that you would be the one that you were put on earth to be so that you can serve and inspire and lift all of the people around you. So in other words, your life isn't just about you. Your life is about the collective of the role and the mission and the purpose of why you were put on earth. I love that. And, and this comes back to service too, right? Just always being of service to other people, the people around you, just humans in general. One thing I wanted to ask you, Bible is a huge thing in your life that, that you study and you go through. Are there any other books or mentors that made a massive difference for you? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So from a spiritual, like, you know, from a spiritual perspective, uh, I'll start there and then I'll get into some more, like more business and, you know, so other books. But like the Book of Mormon from a spiritual perspective has obviously had a huge impact. I think um, uh, C.S. Lewis has had some really incredible books. There's a book called Jesus the Christ. And I don't know if I've ever felt closer to Jesus in my life than reading that book. So those are some of those spiritual type books that really helped you to say, man, like to build kind of a personal relationship. Uh, in addition to that, though, uh, there's books called like Seven Habits of Highly Effective People from Stephen Covey, Changed My Life. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you know, read that when I was 22 years old, changed kind of the way I looked at business and life. Uh, there's many different books that are more kind of business background books that really, really help to shape, shape me. One thing I'd, sh I'd share with people. So people have been saying to me, ask, Mo, they've been asking me, how long did it take you to write the book, right? My, mm. This book be the one. I was like, guys, it took me 43 years. <laughs> I turned 43 yesterday, you know, it took me 43 years. And what I love about books is you can take literally 43 years of someone's life, all the successes and failures and learnings and insights and billions of revenue. And the whole, you can condense it all into, into three days or into a week. Just think of the download that you can get from some of your biggest mentors will be people you'll never meet. 
you know, they're people, some of my biggest mentors I've never met, I've never met before, but they are people that, that trained me and coached me and shaped my mindset. You know, Jim Rohn mm-hmm. uh, was Tony Robbins mentor. Jim Rohn's father said to him, he said, son, always do more than you're paid for as an investment in your future. I've lived mm-hmm. by that philosophy for 20 years. And that philosophy has made me literally tens and tens and tens and tens of millions of dollars um, to always do more than I was paid for as an investment in my future. By the way, guess how often always is? It's really often. It's called always. And you don't do what you're paid for. You do more than you're paid for. Why? Because you're investing in the person you're born to be. You're investing in your future. I mean, those simple philosophies. I never met Jim Rohn, you know, I never met his dad. And yet that philosophy shaped my life. So that's just the power of the investment of the, the, the dollars, which are minimal, but then the investment of the time and then the application through books is just so powerful. I love that. If you could talk to your 20 year old self, what would you tell him? You know, it's funny. Uh, the simple thing I tell him, if I only had three words, I'd say, be the one, you know, I'd, I'd start to shape his identity, who he really is. You know, I believe that success is an identity process and you'll never outperform the way you see yourself. And if you see yourself as a loser, you're not going to show up and play like a winner. If you see yourself as a winner, you're not going to roll over and quit like a loser. Like you start to find your identity. And that'd be the first thing I'd share with them. The second thing I'd share is this is uh, I would say that it's, it's harder. It's going to be harder than you think, and it's going to take longer than you think, and it'll be more worth it than you think. That's mm. what I would have said. Because when I was young, when I look, if I would have known how hard it was going to be, I, I just would never have started because I didn't have the, the depth perception of how hard it was going to be. But now that I'm, you know, you're kind of past that, you know, some of those sections, you look back and you're like, man, I'd sign back up for that struggle again because the rewards are so worth it. Wow. Not so just the monetary be... reward, by the way, the, 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 you know, who you are, you know, you're, 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 it's, it's worth the fight. Your dreams and goals are worth the fight. Right. Harder than it's going to be longer than it's going to be, but it's going to be more worth it than you thought it was. That's, that's right. That's right. That's, that's beautiful. So I want to respect your time, but what I like to do towards the end of these podcasts is just do rapid fire questions. It's kind of it. fun, but also really cool questions. Um, let's start off with the first one. What are three words or traits, um, or what are three traits or words that your friends would use to describe you? Uh, I think consistent, <laughs> loyal, and, um, and authentic, I think would be probably three of the words. I love that. Consistent, loyal, authentic. What are three positive traits that you're working on becoming more? Oh, man, that's a great question. So right now I'm one of the, this is not a, it's a, it's, uh, I'll tell you what I'm working on. I'm working on stretching every morning. I wake mm. up and I stretch. I know it's cause it's kind of a weird skill set, <laughs> but like, as I've gotten older, like, you know, your hamstrings get tighter, your hips get tighter, your lower back, gets tighter. Like, it's just, I just want to be more flexible. I just want to, I just want to like, it's something I'm actively working on. That's one thing. Second thing is I'm, I'm working on the trait of, uh, in, in just in all of my marketing, like really leveling up in all of my marketing, you have, you know, additional impact in the world. You can serve more people, you know, create more attention and more uh, reach where you can serve at a higher level. The third one I would say is I'm really, I'm really doubling down right now on, you know, Wayne Gretzky once said, you don't skate to where the puck is, you skate to where the puck's going to be. 
And I'm doing mm. a lot of that work right now of just where, where's the puck going to be in 10 years and how do I, how do I, you know, create opportunity for people by, by creating that, you know, where it's all headed. I love that. What would you say is your greatest fear? Mm. Uh, I don't have a ton of just like fears that I think about necessarily other than I would say this for me, the greatest fear would be that you are put on earth with gifts and talents. And if you went back <laughs> and you didn't, you didn't grow to the person you were born to be, that would be kind of a, that'd be, in other words, you didn't lay it all on the line. You didn't really go for it. You didn't chase the lion. You kind of got comfortable, kind of hung around. That would be, that'd be probably a fear for me. If not, not a fear, like I fear God as much as just like you want, it's like, it's like you, you where much is given, much is required. You want to like, you want to mm -hmm. wear yourself out in fulfilling, be, you know, truly giving it all you got. I love that. What's the best quote or one quote that you live by? So Aristotle says, excellence is not an act, it's a habit. And he says, therefore, you are what you repeatedly do. And I, I, I think that's really powerful because I think habits can truly shape your whole life. Most of us don't ever define them or do them on purpose. Man, when you mm -hmm. set intentional dreams and goals and build the right habits, you can darn near accomplish anything you want. I love that. Last two fun questions. If you could pick an animal to be, what would you be? You know, it's funny when uh, I've done some public speaking training, one of them is like, find your spirit animal. So like when you hit the stage, you know, what is it? And for me, it's an African lion. You know, it's a male African lion. You know, you hit the stage and people are like, put down their phone and be like, I'm going to listen to what this dude's got to say, you know? So I think it'd be a, 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 a male African lion. And if you could choose one superpower, what would you pick? So my son's 11 and we ask ourselves this question all the time. Uh, it would probably would be flying, you know, just but like with, <laughs> with crazy speed. So I'm not just a hoverboard dude. I can like, I like have crazy flying speed. So I can be kind of almost wherever where I wanted to be fast. I love that. Dude, Justin, thank you so much for hopping on. This, been, this has been super fun. For the book specifically, where can people find it? When is it coming out? Where can they buy it? Yeah, so it's on and wherever you buy your favorite books. So whether that's Amazon, whether that's Borders, you know, at the store, whether it's, you know, Spotify, Audible, wherever you find your favorite books is where, where you're going to find this. Uh, the book launches September 26th, so depending on when, when, when we release this. But my friends, I'd love your support. I'd love your support. The way that the, way that the world works in books is, uh, you know, every single copy matters. You know what I'm saying? And I think we have a chance to create a movement with people where we get, you're getting a book, not just to change your life, but you know, for your kids, for the team, people on your team, where we help them to recognize that they're the one. And then we also help them to recognize how to be the one today. So I uh, would love for you to, to get the book, would love your support. And I think it's a, a, a movement we can create around the world to really help, you know, elevate the consciousness for people to help them go to the next level in their lives. Beautiful. Be the one. They can get it on Amazon, any store, anywhere, yeah. wherever they buy books. That's right. I love that. And if they want to find you, how do they find you? Yeah, so I'm, you know, across all social. It's either Justin Prince or I am Justin Prince, depending on the platform. And, you know, I put out a ton of content to, uh, you know, add value to people's lives and to serve people. Uh, the, the, as powerful as those short clips are, which are, they're awesome and they're powerful. And if you listen to a bunch of them, you, it's going to wire your brain in a real positive way. The reason I wanted to write the book is it's a longer form, right? You can actually have it in print so you can like take the notes and really apply it to your life. So uh, uh, that's why books, I think, are so impactful. 
but you know, I'd love to love to have the follow around social. And if I can serve you or help you or add value to you, I'd be happy to. I love that, dude. Thank you so much for hopping on. This has been amazing for everybody who's listening to this. I'm sure you got a ton of value. You might want to watch this a second time and uh, me and Justin will, will stay on for a bit, but for everybody else, hope you had fun. We'll talk soon.